0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello and welcome, empaths. Do you ever wonder if you're going through life operating from a generational program that could be holding you back? Have you ever thought about how your inner thoughts might constantly be leading you forward or causing you to stagnate? Well, on today's show, we're going to be discussing how to decode your emotional blueprint with author Judy Wilkins Smith. Judy is an international organizational, individual, and family patterns expert. She's the founder of System Dynamics for Individuals and Organizations. For over 18 years, she's worked with Fortune 500 companies and leadership teams, heads of state, and families to help people move beyond the realm of healing into the realms of transformation. And she's on the show with us today to discuss her newest book, Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi generational patterns. So, welcome to the show, Judy. We are so excited to dive into your book. Hi, Samantha. It's lovely to be with you. Well, I want to start off by talking about recognizing the patterns in your life, you know, because what happens so often is we just kind of go through life and we don't consciously think about how some of the issues that we grew up with are affecting us today. And what I feel is that especially in dysfunctional families, it's often really taboo to talk about these patterns and how they affected us as kids and how they're affecting us now. So could you just start us off by talking about how someone could start recognizing these patterns in their life? Absolutely. And by the way, it's not just dysfunctional
1: families. The ones who tell me they're highly functional are the ones I see after the dysfunctional ones. (laughs) We all have patterns. I think, first of all, the most important thing to recognize with those patterns is that they're not there to limit you. They keep on trying to get your attention because ultimately they're your gift and your, your guide to the universe, if you like. So, When you find yourself continuously mad, sad, frustrated, irritated, feeling like you're getting nowhere in life, hitting the same brick walls, and you're doing it in in specific ways over and over, these are examples of patterns. And if you ask yourself simple questions like, who else in my family is like this? You may find that, yes, your mother is, and her mother was, and her mother was. Well, then what we're looking for, if, if we have access to it, is what was the precipitating event way back in the generations now for some people they don't have that information so then what i'll say is what was the precipitating event in your generation and you you will see something set you off and it could be something as innocuous as your aunt says something and you make it mean something bearing in mind that we often want to blame our parents or our ancestors and It's a nice idea, but yes, they began the pattern. But yes, you are the one gifted with the possibility of turning it into the strength it was always going or meant to be. So that's the beauty of it. It's handed down for you because nobody's cracked that code yet. They haven't figured out that generations of people who struggle with finances are purely setting up someone to be a financial genius. Or people who can't express joy, families who can't express joy, will have a child who's suddenly that ridiculous extrovert who's happy about everything. This is all emotional DNA. And you inherit emotional DNA as much as you inherit physical DNA. And your emotional DNA is your pattern of thoughts, feelings, actions, inactions, mindsets, and beliefs. Because we then take, we're reliving ancient history as though it were the present, we're taking on pieces that we keep repeating without looking to see what
0: they're asking to become. That's very true. And you call recognizing those patterns, you say that those patterns are your gold. Totally your gold, because the minute you recognize
1: it, you're going to see what's been holding you back. Now, in all systems, The pattern trying to emerge is sitting right next to the pattern that limits you. In other words, the one that's keeping you stuck. It's asking to become wisdom for you so that you can create the pattern that's trying very hard to emerge through you and write the chapter that only you can write. And in doing so, change the emotional DNA.
2: I absolutely love this because for myself and so many people I'm blessed to talk with, there seems to be a, such a strong resurgence in breaking cyclical patterns in our family of origin. And I think another aspect of that is I, I, this part of the transition the world is going through right now. I really believe that, that we're stepping up and saying enough is enough. But also, could you address for those who step away from those patterns And it may not be embraced by their family of origin or the people in their circles who aren't willing to face their own. You may share the same DNA, but you may have a different perspective on how it's impacted you.
1: Well, you will have a different uh, perspective depending on what you tell yourself, because based on those patterns, we we build libraries of thoughts, feelings and actions. And the biggest piece with that, and you'll know that, is you tell yourself something, and if you're convincing enough, the body goes, that's right, and then it becomes the truth. Only it's not the truth. It's just your truth, and you can change that anytime you want to. So what you're talking about is the person who steps, now they don't step away from their system, and they don't step out of their system. They step ahead of their system. What they're doing is people, and you'll hear them say, I'm an imposter. Somebody's going to find out. Or they'll say, I'm going to get into trouble because I'm different. You're not going to get into trouble. It may be a little uncomfortable. And let's suppose you do get into trouble. Trouble starts to stir the waters until others come up and say, Yes, me too. So you're not an imposter, you're a pioneer you're simply moving ahead. And it can feel a little lonely and a little scary. But the thing of it is, when you discover a place that's new, that you can tell yourself a different story about, and that story becomes your new truth, and you are full and happy, we know the first thing you do is turn around and say to your family, come look what I found. Or if they won't look, you keep going. And I have many people Uh, who attend the events my live events and they say my family will never do this and I go okay give them five years and five years later I've seen all of the family because (laughs) what they say is it's it's that old thing of Harry met Sally I don't know what you're eating but I want some and and it's about being brave isn't it it's actually it's it's more than being brave it's about being so excited about the fact that there genuinely is such a thing as a life adventure that you can't stand yourself and you have to go on that adventure. It's like doing the stretch without the snap. Let me explain it this way. When, when I moved over here, we moved over basically with the clothes on our back. And I had been to Disney World once at that stage. Loved Disney World. And I I said to them one day, I said to my family, one day, one day, we're going to go and stay at, I think it was Swan and Dolphin, because all the nice looking people come out from there. And one day, maybe we're going to have timeshare. And that stayed. And it was really strong for me. It was an adventure. There wasn't even a prospect of it at that time, but it really kept my juices flowing. It was just one day, one day. And one day, my brother was due to come out come and visit with his family, and I realized that the amount of money for the tickets would be a third of the price for timeshare. So I could put that down and pay it off. And so my one day came. And the excitement of teaching yourself how to make dreams come true, and that you actually are so capable of doing it, and you're literally never stuck, and that train smashes are the most wonderful portals to possibility. Those are the exciting things that keep you going. You can't help yourself. Once you've done it once and you recognize what you're capable of doing with your family system, this is genealogy 2.0 on steroids.
0: Okay, so I like that idea of it being exciting, but I think sometimes when you're the generational breaker in your family, before it's exciting, it's, it's very scary. And the rest of your family is saying, no, you're wrong, or you shouldn't be doing this or we've always done it this way. And one of the things you talk about a lot in your book is how, when we continue to suppress that, it has physical ramifications. Yep. And you, you talk about recognizing this in people's body language. And I, I would love to, for you to talk about that because there's a part in early in your book, when you said you saw someone who, whenever they were stressed out, they would stand on one leg. That's right. And you said, well, you know, what, what parent abandoned you? There's another story where a woman had seven non-cancerous tumors that made her belly bloat. And she found out that her grandmother had had seven miscarriages and no one in the family was allowed to talk about it. So could you just talk about how these, if we don't move beyond the terrifying feeling of pushing beyond these generational patterns to that excitement, how it can affect us physically? Absolutely. It it starts to make you
1: ill because now you're backflowing energy for want of a better word. And it's not esoteric and woo-woo. You're literally stopping your you're starting to operate within the hormones of stress. And when you do that, it breaks down the body. So when you start to flip that, even a degree, and it's it's not eating the whole elephant at at, the, at a time. You'll just get mental indigestion. But when you can have one new thought. One new feeling, one new action. It literally starts to rewire the brain. Now, stepping beyond the family boundaries or the boundaries of the system, of course, feels scary and dangerous. And I say to people, literally do one step at a time. Notice that you didn't die. Notice that nothing came down from the heavens and smote you with a piece of two by four. And take another step. And also notice your wins. Because when you do that, you start to build a winner effect. And there is actually a book, I believe, called The Winner Effect. What it does, in essence, is it wires the brain to know that you're capable, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I'm teaching capability this year. But you start to teach yourself how you're possible differently. And so you get a little braver and a little braver until at some point, You push that first brick out of the brick wall and when you bend down, you can see there is a very different world on the other side and you're going to go for it. Does that mean it's a straight shot? No. I always tell people it's like stocks. I've never seen a stock just go straight up and stay there. If it goes up too fast, it may gap down to fill the gap, but it'll go up again. It's like pre-paving. So it's teaching yourself I want to go back to it's not just brave. It's to be, to be brave and excited because what you're describing and what's very important is we have built so much weight into keeping things the way they are and being okay in the family system that it takes us building more weight on what it is that we really want and deeply desire. We've got to build enough weight that the impetus of that, that excitement takes us if you're excited enough and you've got deep enough purpose, it'll take you past all of the excuses and past all of the old patterns and then you'll begin to start setting your foot into the true present and the possible future.
0: Do you prescribe to the belief that if you don't do that, it can result in these physical issues like if someone's a pain in your neck you'll get a pain in your neck? I don't just subscribe
1: to it I've seen it too many times to. To not know it's true. In fact, one of the things that I I work with are people with autoimmune issues. Because what I've discovered is that it's many physicians will tell you we don't know exactly what sets it off, and we don't know the the mechanism of it. And what I've found is when I'm working with, with people, often there is a traumatic incident that is profound enough for the brain to not be able to process it. So it sits in the body and it sits in the body in very specific ways and if you listen to the language of the person you'll hear very quickly how it's manifesting in the body so i had somebody who said who told me whenever they didn't have control over the situation they had this condition that would flare and so we explored what when did that happen the first time what was going on for you can you tell me everything you remember about it because it was traumatic and they could tell me all the bits and pieces okay And when it subsided, what were you doing? Can you tell me everything about that? So what we discovered was you have the trigger, but you also have the antidote. But the biggest antidote is what am I I excluding or missing that I need to bring into my system? You touched on the pieces we don't talk about. In systemic work, there's a cardinal principle or a cardinal rule. What you exclude creates a pattern that expands and repeats. So anything you're not talking about is going to keep showing up in subsequent generations until somebody looks at it and addresses it. And then there's a word, re-hyphen members. In other words, brings that member or that piece back into the system. Once it's seen and given its place, the pattern no longer needs to exist and the holder of the pattern can move on. So people who are stuck are often holders of patterns. And what you want to do is convert it into the holder of the strength. Mm
2: -hmm. So you incorporate and then you move on. That's so beautifully said. Thank you. And a couple months ago, I was doing some work and I was journaling and it came up about releasing shame. And I journaled and journaled and wrote, and I I was releasing it to the ethers. And then the next day, I I was reflecting on it. And I thought, this is not just mine. It goes back to generation, generation, generation. And then as I continued to write, I thought, I have to give voice and honor the people who may have, because of socially, culturally, family situations, there may have been constraints that wouldn't allow them to, because of social, of speaking their truth or, or being assertive or breaking family patterns. Because if we think of the social structures and Samantha and I are both mediums. So we're blessed to, to connect with people from, you know, the generational levels, right. So from a, an energetic perspective, when we do this little level of work for ourselves, we're also sending that healing and energy back through so we send
1: it oh, forward. Yes, you are. yes <laughs> you are. Because think about it this way. You absolutely are in your, your bang on. What you were doing is you were releasing generational shame, not just yours. You were absolutely releasing generational shame. And the way that you will see that, for example, is that I've had people who come in and they start to cry. And they tell me I'm not a crier. What is this? And they keep crying and they keep crying. And I, and I ask them, who in your family could not cry? And they will say, oh, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, it wasn't allowed. Well, you're now bringing in what wasn't allowed. So now you are releasing that. And I love that you said you want to give honor to those. What you're saying is for all of you who couldn't, I can and I will. So now, instead of the shame, you're not. So have a look at those patterns. The, the shame is the wisdom. It's been banging at you saying, notice me, notice me, notice me. The gold in that is, I am now the voice that can speak. I am now the voice that that is precious and, and has not shame, but has a message.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: So it's reframing it. It's looking for what is trying so hard to be the gift in the system, because that's what it is. It was never meant to be a shame. We were raised to think that we are Wicked, wrong, should, are going to live a wrong life, then we're going to die, and hopefully if we die well, we get seat L34 on the left. <laughs> no. no. We are meant here to, to give voice to and to show people that that's half the language. The other half of your inherited language is possibility. Of course you can. Yes, you're possible. You are incredible. You are remarkable. You can do what you want. That is our true
0: heritage. That is our true heritage. And yet, you're right. I feel like there are multi layers of society that reinforce this belief of less than. You know, I was yep. sitting in church the other week, and we always start with the confessory prayer, which basically just says, I'm a sinner over and over, and please forgive me, right? And I've been going to church my whole life. And I just never really thought about how awful that is, you know, to just every single week say, I'm a bad person and please forgive me, father. Like what is happening there? And my kids come home from school and they, they talk about their teachers and their teenagers. So they always complain about their teachers, but it's so rare that they, that they hear positive things from their teachers and they're all good kids and they get great grades and yet the teachers are constantly just yelling at the class, put your phones away. And what are you thinking? And you're late and you shouldn't go to the you're bathroom. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not good, good enough. Yeah. You're not so good enough. I feel like it's just layer upon layer in our society of these negative message. And so it, it takes so much to, to really move beyond that, you know? And, and one of the things that your book talks about is these unconscious loyalties that we have to... Right. That pattern of thinking, and that's something um, <laughs> I've never really had in my life. Like I, I'm always focused on truth, you know. Like that's my as a kid, tr- everything is to me has always been about truth. my My father was an alcoholic until I was 14, and he went to AA. But I remember as a kid growing up, like he he cooked his whole dinner, it was a beautiful, lovely meal, and then he went and laid on the couch and fell asleep. And he woke up and he cooked the dinner again and nobody talked about it and i'm there going guys um he was drunk and we're not going to eat this second meal <laughs> just so we don't have to talk about what's happening and i was like nine years old and everybody in my family looked at me like you are so mean like what you know he's doing a nice thing he works all week and it's sunday afternoon and he's trying to cook these lovely meals but I've always been that, that truth teller. And I feel like in my life, I've so often been punished for that. So can you just talk about that difference between the truth teller and those unconscious loyalties? Because to me, they feel like two different ends of the spectrum. So the, the
1: unconscious loyalty, um, before we even go there, just hold on to both of those pieces and bring them back to me. But what you're describing is, have you seen the movie Encanto? No. If you haven't, you need to go and watch it. It's the newest Disney movie. It shows all the archetypes. She actually says three times, this is my family constellation. So she talks about it. But there's a song in there called We Don't Talk About Bruno. The song talks about the one we don't talk about, but it's actually a synonym for all the things we don't talk about. Now, if your your dad had made this lovely meal and um, everybody has this this thing of we don't talk about bad things when they happen, we just make them pretty. It's not that it was a bad thing he did, it was that nobody stopped and said, hey, dad, whoa, well, we, we have a, a situation. It's no, 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 we don't talk about that. He's doing his best. If we do that, that those meals are going to keep coming back over and over again. You're going to get more of what you don't talk about. Now, the unconscious loyalty, though, is you, mom, mom doesn't talk about it. If mom was around mom doesn't talk about it and so now in your family there are things that you really want to address and but we don't talk about that either and so you begin a pattern of all of the important pieces where the gold is for your dad it would have been as simple as when did you start drinking what was happening in your life at the time who else in your family drank what caused them to start drinking what was that event how do we take that event and mine for the gold and say, here's what we learned, and put down what we can't use? So how do we make this useful? Being punished for telling the truth. I'm also an executive coach, so I work a lot with, <laughs> with top C-suite executives. And I say to them all the time, I don't care how much of a genius you are. If you can't land it, it's useless. So in a family like yours, where you want to tell the truth, you've got to be able to land the truth. It's not that you're making it sweet. It's how can I put this out there in a way that people will notice and listen without feeling judged, but invited to look. And as kids, we don't know that. We just know that, listen, there's something going on here that really is not working. But what it would have done for you was Make you brave. There's your first brave step. And if you keep doing the brave, you could very well turn into the person who says to others, Let's look. Let's make this fun. It's not a scary thing. It's not going to kill us. We might find incredible treasure if we're willing to look together. I'm willing. So you're the stand up and be counted one. You're the one, you're, you've got to watch Encanto. This is Mirabelle. In the family, nobody's looking at what's happening. And she goes, somebody's got to look at what's destroying this family. And in she goes, I guarantee you, you will, you probably need Kleenex because you're going to see yourself from the start to the beginning in Mirabelle. And uh, it's beautiful to be that person. And the responsibility that comes with that is really learning how in any situation you can land it so people can hear it because what you have to say is hugely valuable.
0: Mm. That's really important because I think it's not only what you have to say, but to land it, it's how you say it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And so look at the system. I, I look at the system when somebody says, I'm stupid. Who else in your family thought they were stupid? where is it that you show up as stupid Mm -hmm. now do you see that you're being stupid here has made you acutely sensitive to the following and actually know you're probably pretty much a genius who keeps telling themselves they're stupid so it's looking at what's it trying again what's it trying to become through you and you have a gift if you're the looker It really is your responsibility to look with people in a way that they too can open their eyes because you're brave enough.
2: So we've done the work, we've seen the patterns, we've honored our ancestral line, and this is a recurring theme for many people. They'll be in relationship or situations, I'll use the relationship aspect, they'll bring in the same person with a different face, and they'll say damn it, I've done my work, I'm ready, I'm moving forward. And there they are again presenting as another aspect of that same message. So with this work and with your book, how could people, they've recognized it, they know, they've honored, how can they start to shift that in themselves to truly say, you know what, I've done this, I've learned this, I've honored my, my lineage, but enough is enough.
1: I, I love that you ask that because what they're saying is they haven't f- completed their work they may have started it they haven't completed it if it was complete it wouldn't show up again because if you have dad abandons the family now you keep choosing partners who abandon the family until you can get someone who chooses to stay or find someone who is looking for family which is the antithesis of moving away from you won't change it. But before that, until you can look at your own pattern of what did it do for me when dad abandoned the family? Who did I become? How do I need to shift me? It's going to keep coming back because you haven't wired in a different piece that says dad abandoned the family and I became the surrogate spouse. Now I I carry everything. That becomes Dad abandoned me. Mom was very sad. I know I took on too much, and it's made me very strong. But I also sometimes cannot take my place and let others help me. How do I now start inviting others to help me? How do I go back to a place where it's give and receive, not give, give, give? So you've got to explore it all the way down to, What has it caused for you that is really good, your strength? What has it caused for you that is super costly, nobody else can help you? How do I keep the strength, but how do I now invite others into my world so that we can play on an even field? And the minute you do that and you allow that to change, you don't need to keep attracting the fix-it or the
2: disappearer. That's beautiful. And it also equates with the, the mindset of, what is it in me that I need to look at? Because we can't change other people. We can't, we, there, everyone has free will and they're going to make choices. So once we do that level of work, but I'm, I'm a really, really big fan of breaking cyclical patterns, whether, it, and empowering people. And I think when we're able to do that for ourselves, it in some ways cause, causes a ripple effect into our. Our families into our social it structures. Absolutely
1: does. Yeah. No, it absolutely does. It it ripples. I I'd actually say it it stretches up and it stretches out and it changes perspective completely. And we've got the, the other piece that's super helpful is to remember that if somebody says something to you or does something, it doesn't matter what it is. It literally doesn't matter. It's what you make it mean. What you make it mean, that counts. You have two people in in an accident, both paralyzed from the waist down. One says, my life is over. The other one says, I have purpose. They've just made different meaning. But One of my favorites that I love to tell is um, an aunt of mine who came over and I was the geeky kid and I had a, a blonde, beautiful cousin and uh, who got on, of course, very well with all things guy and I couldn't even look him in the eye. And um, she came over and said, sweetheart, it's okay. Some of us get brains and some of us get beauty. Aren't you glad you got the brains? (laughs) And what I made it mean was, don't ever in your life take another photo, you ugly person. That's not what she was saying. She was actually trying to make me feel good. I made it mean you're not good enough you're ugly, you can't show up in photos. So for about 10 years, there was nothing. <laughs> Until I sat down and somebody said, well, if you're going to write books, we're going to need you to have photos. And I, I think I about came out in the hives and I went, stop. What's going on? And I went back and looked and then I started to laugh even more. And I thought, well, thinking about that, my poor cousin probably thought, oh, nice, I'm a dumb blonde. <laughs> And we're the ones who make the meaning. So you cannot blame anyone because you, it's literally you can take something that's awful and go, I've just found my purpose. Here we go.
0: Yeah. I think part of completing that pattern breaking is also about being really honest in terms of the good you're getting out of that negative cycle.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to hold that part of the mirror up. I I have a friend whose one parent abandoned her. She married a man who abandoned the family. And, you know, then she dated a guy who ghosted her. And she was like, oh, this always happens to me. But I really feel like, and I haven't had the strength to say this to her yet, but I really feel like there's a part of her that enjoys being the strong one on her own. Does not make-
1: just a strong one. It makes perfect sense because it is her currency. But it also makes a part of humankind where we are taught that suffering is noble. And it's a load of BS, by the way. Suffering <laughs> is not noble. It's blind. So for her, very, very easy way to say that, to say, hey, I had a guest today and she said, when you have a pattern that keeps repeating, it's really wise to look at what is the gift it's trying to give you. And, and yes, maybe she will say, well, I've gotten very strong. Yes, I would invite her to look further and say, how is she going to be the one in the family who can look at men and say, you are welcome here. You are delicious. I have space for you, which probably has not occurred in her family. They've had to get strong and survive on their own. Okay. How can I be strong and have a strong, equal partner?
0: What a thought. What do you say to people who, I've encountered a lot of people who tend to hug their wounds, you know, and and they like enjoy telling their- their Oh, they
1: do. It goes back to the same. I am part of the suffering humanity. Look at what I've overcome. Great. Now, what are you heading towards? Because if you just keep overcoming, frankly, it's not teaching humanity or yourself much. In fact, I I have a a friend who said to me the one day, you don't get it. From my culture, I was born from a culture that is discriminated against and was born to suffer. And I said to her, and unless you change that mindset, you've just sentenced the next generation. So which one of you are going to change that and say, we have this in our history.
0: Look at who we've become! Aren't we incredible? Yeah. Big difference. Big difference. Much happier. But, well, that's why the the power of words is so important. And and you you talk about that a lot in your book. Uh, you talk about writing a sentence of resolution that I, I you spell resolution, which I really love. Yeah. That.
1: So resolution, completing and resolution, the new idea, the new thought. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then you write about um, recognizing a, if you're a hero or a zero. Could you tell people what that means?
1: Yes, you'll find it. You, you find that in your job and you find that in your family. So the two biggest systems that you interact with are your career, whatever it is, and your family system. When you're feeling really nasty about yourself, uh, and I can hear it with people who, who tell me I'm bad, I'm wicked, I'm stupid, I'm, I call that toilet talk. And that's hero, at least zeroing yourself. When you look at something you've done and you're not, you say to yourself, I could do that. I, I, do, I did that thing. This was great. And that's called heroing yourself. If you start to hero yourself more, you get out of that very deep human sleep of you're a wicked sinner And you start to recognize how capable you are. I often think going back to your earlier comment about going to church and doing the confessional and saying, bless me because I'm a ridiculous sinner. I think God sits there and goes, okay, who wrote this stuff? I told everybody I can do my best with what you give me. And all you keep giving me is this broken thing because that's all you see. How do I work with that? People will tell you God works with even the most broken sinner. Well, what happens is the broken sinner recognizes that they have potential and goes, oh, I think I should do something about this. And there is that that God energy that flows through and goes, well, good. While you're awake, get onto your feet and start moving. So, yeah, the, the broken piece, we've told ourselves that for too long. The earth is not flat. We have a round globe. We are also not sinners. We are huge potentials. We went to sleep. Mm. And words are huge.
0: And we're waking up.
1: We are. This is, this is a beautiful thing. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book. So many people are asking and so many people are interested in Ancestry. This, as I said, is Ancestry 2.0. Ancestry 1.0 tells you where you belong. Super important. 2.0 tells you how and why that matters. And what the gift is for you, and that you are genuinely a remarkable life, all you've got to do is know how to see
2: it. So, what is fascinating about this and fabulous is I'm a big fan of Empower, Don't Enable. And once you apply your work to your life, you've taken away the excuses, you've taken away the blame, you've taken away the I can't, maybe I shouldn't, what might happen. And truly, it mimics when I am doing a reading with someone and I'll say, it's time to step into your power, your light and your purpose. And this blueprint that you're giving people is encouraging them to do just that and give them that individual strength within, which I think is going to help us all as a collective.
1: Thank you. And you're quite right. It's You've got it. You've got it. You literally just have to be willing to look. That's the biggest thing. You've got to be willing to look. And the other piece that's important, and I have to tread so carefully when I, when I broach it, is in transformation, there's no room for the victim.
2: Exactly.
1: That's when you've got to put it down. That's when you've got to say, I'm growing up now. The victim piece, what can I take from you? How can I turn you into an incredible legacy? What have you given me? When people come and tell me I was abused as a kid or I was whatever it is, and it's really bad, I'm I'm super excited. I said, to them, you're on the best adventure of your life. You've got all the equipment you need that told you what wasn't working to now ignite and unleash what wants to work. Congratulations, you're on the right path. It's literally about giving yourself messages that you believe and buy. So... It's about, people say there's no such thing as magic witches and warlocks. Yes, there are. You're doing it every day with your words. You're telling yourself all the time, you're good, you're not. You're good, you're not. When you start to consciously say, you're good, you're capable. You're good, you're capable. Look at what I'm doing. I'm figuring this out. Even degrees, you're starting to change that whole neural pathway patterning. You're starting to change who you are as a human being. And you are no longer living ancient history. Super important. This, this is human potential possible. It's not transformation is for the chosen few. This is transformation for those who choose it.
0: Is it okay with those powerful words to fake it till you make it? I mean, what if you say it, but you don't really believe it? I love that. It's not fake it till you make it.
1: It's believe it till you achieve it just okay. change that. That's all you need to do. Believe it till you achieve it. You really are not faking it, you're practicing. Because the more that you practice that feeling, the more of a reality it becomes and the more of an enticement it becomes. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you do something and it jolts that feeling you go, that's it. And now you're on your way because you've got a taste of the apple pie. So keep smelling the apple pie until you get to take a taste. And then you won't stop eating it.
0: Yeah. And and I want people to recognize that this takes a long time. Like, I think it probably took me about a decade to get my inner self talk really, really positive. And what I'm working on now is like, Denise is such a great friend and she, she just props me up all the time. Every time I talk to Denise off air, she's like, do you recognize what a great job you're doing as a mom? Do you? And Denise, how uncomfortable do I get? I'm like, uh-huh, thank you. Like it's very, you get very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and she is just, if anyone could have a friend like Denise, you're, you've got a treasure. But every time she does it to me, I get really uncomfortable. Okay, like, so I'm, I'm going to tell okay, you two things you.
1: about that. Two things. In, in your, your life, you are plotting a graph. Most of us have learned to plot the negative points and to see where we need to improve. But it's a skewed graph. If you can't receive compliments, you don't know what your capabilities are. You've got to start listening when people tell you that to understand your capabilities. Even more than that, you've got to start listening because people are saying, hey, I want to come play in your world. And I recognize it. And when you say no, you shut them down and you're telling them, you can't come play here. So when people do that, it's super important that you listen and that you take that in and you plot it on your graph. Really important. Now the other piece, gentle challenge. For for many of us, for lots of us while we're practicing, it can take a long time. The book is about systemic work and it's also introducing you to constellations. And constellations are a breakthrough approach where we use 3D to go and explore your issue. We use live representatives or pieces of paper and and markers. And what happens is when you do that, you then begin to use your different senses. You hear, feel, sense, touch, taste. You're walking in the issue. You're, You're experiencing the whole issue. And you're experiencing the pivot point and the rewiring. And it can literally happen within minutes. And people who've, who've been through a constellation will say, it's cr- one woman said to me, this is crazy. I came in traumatized and, and I don't have words for it, but this is the exact opposite. It's had the opposite effect of a trauma. I've just, I have new language bubbling, my, my body's changing, and I have a completely different sensation in my body. And so it can happen very quickly. It doesn't matter whether it's quick and it doesn't matter whether it's gently and slowly. As long as you keep doing it, it's going to take. And with a constellation, that's at my live events, this is what we do a lot of, is you get to have those instant moments and that embodied experience because
0: that's what it becomes. It becomes that aha moment in action. I have one last question, but Denise, do you have something before we wrap up? I just
2: wanted to say thank you. Uh, truly your your light is beautiful and this work is exactly exactly what people need right now is to look within but also incoming swear own their shit and say enough is enough truly that's what this is all about and it's so powerful and you can feel that just as you speak about this how passionate you are so thank you so very much
0: thank you Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Before we finish up, could you talk about the systemic sleep of doing okay? Yes.
1: Sometimes what happens is we're doing okay. We may have had a long, rough journey and suddenly we're doing okay and it feels really good and we don't want to disturb anything. So we, we cruise and we coast. And that's a little dangerous for two reasons. Number one, you can then slip back into a systemic trance. But number two, you haven't listened to what's happening for you and calling you. If something is calling you, you don't want to get complacent. It's, it's nice, fertile ground. It's saying to you, you're in a good place. Grow. Grow. Show up to grow up. Quit whining. Start shining. But grow. So the complacency of just being in a good place, I would say if you've been in a rough place and you're in a decent place, celebrate it with all your heart. Don't get complacent. Use it as your baseline for your next jump and make the leap. Beautifully said.
0: Okay. So tell people where they can
1: find you and your book. They can find me at judywilkins-smith.com. The book is now available on pre-order at all of your, your big ones, Barnes and Noble, the Amazon... But the other thing that is is also there for them to look at, and, and I thought of you because you're a medium and Denise is a medium, is I actually created two world firsts, Constellations Meditations. And it takes you all the way through a constellation experience, all the way back to, uh, through the line of your mother, that's the, the meditation of the mother, and then all the way back through the line of the father, the meditation of the father. And then it brings you back into your own self and your own being. And I had somebody on a show recently who said to me, I have never known my father. I have no connection to him. So I listened to it just to see if there's anything that I would get. You said to me, I have a father now. Wow. So they, they may want to look at that too. It's a really, really good coupling.
0: Okay, perfect. And that's on your website?
1: It's on okay. the website. It's under, I think, shop here or products. Products.
0: Yeah. Products. And okay. the events
1: are also available then. The biggest one being at Disney World, which is Capability and Resilience DNA. And it's showing people how to wire their capability and resilience in consciously.
0: Ooh, are you staying at the Swan? No, we're
1: staying. We did stay at the Swan for about five years. Mm-hmm. And I have timeshare at Beach Club and they said to me, which is right next door, Yeah. why don't you come look at our facilities and I, th- I said to me, I don't know that I can afford you. Surprise, surprise. Yes, I can. And so we're doing it at um, Beach and Yacht, uh, which is right near Swan, but yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, my daughter went on spring break with a friend uh, her of her friends over um, back in March, and they were going to Disney World and they go to check in to their hotel. and the woman said, "I'm so sorry, but we've double booked your room. So of course, she's madly texting me, like, what do I do? Like we've had this trip planned And, and then the woman says, but don't worry, we've upgraded you to the two bedroom suite at the Grand Floridian. They had their own butler. <laughs> oh my goodness. How, how beautiful is that? Your daughter is a good manifester. She's...
1: <clears throat> and if she does that, she needs to keep doing that. Yeah. But Disney is, is also for a reason because he needed to have new emotional DNA. His father was actually the beginning of it all, not him. And Mickey was not the mouse that be, the, the thing that began it all. It was Oswald the lucky rabbit. So he's, he's a, a history of seconds and why you don't give up. So when we go there, we, we work really hard from about 8 until 4. And then I said to him, now go and experience what we're talking about from a man who never quit. That until so he was, when he was dying, he was mapping out Epcot. And he knew how
0: it mattered. Wow. That's, I love that. I love the way you tie that all together. Okay. So I will put all the links to your website and your book and pre-ordering it and your event at Disney coming up in our show notes and on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. Please remember as always to show up, do great work and share your light. Thank you. you. That was